Well, I want to begin this morning's message by um, asking you if you have ever found yourself in any of these uh, particular scenarios that I'm going to mention. But please, I warn you in advance, don't raise your hand, okay? Because these are kind of scenarios that you're probably not going to be too proud of. But if you can identify, you know, you can kind of like nod inside quietly. Uh, that's okay, but just give you the heads up, okay? These are rhetorical questions. Here we go. Um, as parents, we all, of course, love our children. But have you ever, over the years, in a moment of frustration, in a moment of stress or just fatigue, maybe lost it with one of your kids? Yeah, if you want to lie, you can say no. That's okay. But otherwise, don't raise your hands. And maybe you've said something or you did something that later you regret it. Again, don't raise your hand. Have you ever withheld love or withheld kindness or thoughtfulness to your spouse because you felt that maybe they weren't giving you what it was that you wanted at that particular time in your relationship? Have you ever held back communication with somebody because you were afraid of how they might respond to you if you honestly shared how you were feeling, if you honestly shared what's going on in your heart, uh, in, your, in, in your mind? Have you ever uh, lied to cover up a mistake? Have you ever exaggerated something to make yourself appear better than you really are, uh, maybe even at the expense of somebody else? And finally, have you ever used drugs or alcohol, maybe a relationship, maybe pornography, as a way of trying to self-medicate whatever it is you're going through, whatever edge there may be in your life that you're trying to soften, when you know that what you really need is to draw closer to Jesus Christ, to trust in Him whatever place you may find yourself in. All of these situations this morning have one thing in common, and that's what we're going to be talking about over these next few weeks, that we all have dysfunctions in our lives. We all malfunction, don't we? We all make mistakes. We sin, we struggle, but what all these things I just mentioned have in common is a failure to answer the most basic question, which is, who am I? Who am I? It's not really something we give a whole lot of a thought to through the course of the day, but I really believe until we find the answer that all of us are asking, who am I? What's expected of me? How should I live? How should I relate? What is it that God would, would ask of me, expect of me? Who, who am I? Because like I said, we don't think of that question a whole lot, and yet the failure to address the question the failure to really come to grips with who I am, it leads to all kinds of personal and relational problems, just like, like I mentioned there. Because what I've found over the years is that when we don't know who we are, we act like someone who we're not supposed to be. Does that make sense? When we don't know who we are, we act like somebody who we're not supposed to be. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 5, we know it very well, that if anyone belongs to Christ, there is a new creation. The old things have gone. Everything is made new. In other words, the Bible says that when you place your faith in God, when you yield your life to Jesus Christ and you ask for God's forgiveness, the Bible says in John 3 that you are born again. What that means is that you are completely renewed from the inside out. It also means that you have been given the capacity 
to exhibit the very nature of God, to be like Him, which is going to radically change the way that you think and the way that you behave and interact with other people. Let me ask you a real ridiculous question. When a woman gives birth to a child, is it possible for her to recycle somebody else's child? Is it possible that the child she's given birth to is one that some other mother didn't want, and so it's kind of a leftover, and here you go, she just happens to be the one to give birth to the child? Does that make sense? Or is the being that she's given birth to a brand new, never existed before human being? Right? 56 years ago today, there was born into this world somebody who had never been in this world before and somebody like whom there will never be again. To quote my mother, I thank God every day you weren't twins. She actually told me that. My therapist said she meant well, but <clears throat> that's what she said time and again. Now, I know the illustration I just gave you sounds outrageous, but here's my point. And I want us to get this this morning. Thank you. When God says that the moment you invited Jesus into your life, there is a new creation, he wants you to understand this. You were made brand new, that the you who was born again in Christ is brand new. To make something new is not to fix up something that was broken before. To make something new is to make it for the very first time and to make it as if there had never even been a break. There had never even been damage. Now, I know that's hard for us to grasp, but that is the miracle of the new birth. And the reason it's so important to understand that, and I want to say this from the outset, how radically the church would be different, how radically differently we would live our lives as sons and daughters of God if we understood that when we are born again, God does not just take the old you and fix you up. You are brand new. The you that now exists in Christ didn't exist before. You are born again. That's why the Bible says over and over again, the old man is dead. The old man with its sin, it is in the grave. And what God has raised up to live in your body is a brand new being. And we need to begin to live our lives from the position of the brand new being that we are rather than thinking that we're just kind of a mess that was fixed up and we're not all that different. That's a lie from the enemy. That's not what the Word of God says. We'll look more at this in a few moments. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, There is therefore, say it with me now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. He's saying you're not judged guilty for your past sin. Why? Because that person doesn't exist anymore. There's no one to judge you for that. But that's why the devil wants to make you think that you're no different, that you haven't changed. So you will always live life or confront things from the perspective of one who's just fixed up. Jesus says, no, you need to live your life as one who's brand new. Brand new. That's who you are. Again, Paul says in Colossians, in Christ, you have been made complete. 
You're a brand new being, he says. You are complete. And what the devil does with his lies is he tries to shave up one layer after another, thin, thin layer, just to shave off whatever he can from you to make you believe that you're not complete. I think one of the most beautiful things about God's plan of salvation is that he didn't come to earth in his original form. He didn't come to earth as spiritual being who just kind of floated a few inches off the ground so we all knew he was different from us, that somehow, you know, he was, he was not like us. No, we know we read the word of God that he came to us in the form of the person of Jesus. Why? Because he wanted to show us as a human being the kind of life that we are able to live and expect if we understand that we are filled with the life of God. That he truly lives within us. In other words, Jesus lived as an example to us. He didn't live as an exception to us. How many times have we felt the Holy Spirit speak something to us, or we've read the word or heard a sermon, whatever may be, heard truth, and maybe about Jesus, and our thinking is, yeah, but that was Jesus. Anybody? Yeah, but that was Jesus. I know one day we'll be like him, but you see, that was Jesus. That's not what the Word of God says. In fact, the Bible says that we are, in in 1 John 4, he says, as Jesus is, so also we are in this world. Now, we have to get our mind around this because we don't normally think that way. But it's an amazing declaration that we are actually the same as Jesus, and I'll clarify that in a moment. But the point is this. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what your family history has been. It doesn't matter what struggles you have had in the past. The truth is, the Bible says that anyone, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a brand new creation. You see, the reason Jesus came was to redefine who you are so that you no longer live or are dictated to by your dysfunctions, by your malfunctions, by all the past patterns and things that if you believe them, constantly give you an excuse to live so far beneath of who God's made you to be and to expect from your life. So every one of us here this morning, regardless of how we go about it, we are on a quest for identity. We are on a quest for what we're supposed to be and how that's to be fulfilled in our lives. I really believe, as I said in the Facebook post, that the problems in our lives most oftentimes are the result of what we fall into when we try to find an identity outside of a relationship with God and who he's made us to be. There are many of us here this morning who look for our identity in self-assertion. We go through our whole life, I'm going to prove who I am. I'm going to show people. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. I'm going to be somebody. And we carry that into our walk with Christ. I'm going to prove to God that I'm good. I'm going to prove to God that I'm worthy. I'm going to prove to God that he should love me. We'll look at it more next week. But do you understand that God already loves you with a perfect love? Do you understand that there's nothing you can do that will make God love you more? There's not a thing you can do that will make God love you less. God loves you with a perfect love. That's who you are. You are loved by God absolutely and completely. He says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Before you even existed, I knew you and I loved you. I was committed to you. That's never going to change, and how radically that can change the way we live when we truly understand that. We look for our identity in trying to assert ourselves to be somebody. Other people, they draw back and they say, well, I don't want people to see who I am because I don't think I'm enough. And so they spend their lives just living a a lie, living a facade. 
And so this question, who am I, is really a question about identity. So let's, let's define what identity is. The word identity comes to us from the Latin word edom, which means the same or sameness. It's also from the word edom that we get our English word identical. Identical. If you go to a court of law and they ask you to identify, what are they saying? We're asking you to point out the person who looks the same as the person you saw, right? We want you to identify, is there sameness here? That's what you're looking for, the person that looks identical to the person I saw. You're identifying them. And so identity can be defined as the state of being the same as something or someone else. Basically, the question, who am I, can also be phrased, who am I like? Who am I like? Take, for example, two people who drive the same kind of car. It wouldn't be unusual for them to say, hey, we drive the same car. You ever said that? You know, you see somebody has the same kind of car as you. Hey, I got the same car. What are you saying? You're not saying that you share the same one car, that you drive, the two of you drive one car, are you? You're saying we drive the same kind of car. It's made by the same manufacturer. It's the same year. The design is identical. So they're two different cars, but they're the same car. Do you follow me? Yes? It's my birthday. I'm using, Okay. <clears throat> you don't have to say happy birthday, just yes would be great. So when we talk about identity, as it's revealed in the word of God, as it relates to us as followers of Jesus Christ, keeping this in mind, that as a follower of Jesus Christ, I am a new creation, number one. As a follower of Jesus Christ, number two, I am expected to be the same as Jesus in this world. And if that is true, when we talk about identity, we're talking about sameness. And sameness basically encompasses three components. If two things are the same, these things are, 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 are similar in both. They share nature, we share position, and we share power. And we share it today. If I can do that, if I can understand my identity in that aspect, in my relationship with Jesus Christ, then I have found the source of my identity, of who I really am. Let me give you a few scriptures that speak to this. We know some of them very well. I'll just go through them quickly. 2 Corinthians. For our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become what? The righteousness of God. If you are born again, that's you. Let that sink in for a minute. You are not just a Christian, a religious person. You are the righteousness of God. Second Peter, God gave us very great and precious promises. With these gifts, will you read with me? You can share in God's nature. Another translation says the divine nature. And the world will not ruin you with its evil desires. You see, when you understand that you share the nature of God, when you understand that you are one with Christ, you can live a different way. I was at the mall um, a couple days ago, maybe it was yesterday, I was at the mall, and I hadn't been in the mall for like months. And I'm walking down the, the, the hallways, and I couldn't get over how many lingerie stores there are. <laughs> Isn't that, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? And I mean, it's not just lingerie stores. It's like life-size pictures of women in lingerie. It's kind of like pornography in a sense. You know, it's not far from it. I don't know if you take your kids to the mall anymore. I mean, it's, 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 it's amazing. But as I'm walking through the mall, I've got a choice. I, there's two responses. One is, I can look and go, wow, 
wow, she looks like Vanessa. <laughs> I shouldn't have, I was thinking that, but I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry, honey. Because my wife is beautiful. But I could have, you know, I could have, I could have looked at the pictures and thought, oh, man. You know, wow, that's, that's nice. Or I can look at the pictures as I'm going by, and I, I don't mean I'm looking at the pictures, but I can notice the picture, and I can say, you know what? I could lust at that if I want to. But Jesus is in me, and I'm in Jesus. And Jesus wouldn't fall for that. And so there's no contest. Do you hear what I'm saying? I can live from this perspective, looking up, oh, just trying to become, and I wish I was, and I try to be better. I can do that and kind of try to fight from that level and always get frustrated with myself. Or I can say, hey, that doesn't entice me because I know who I am. I know who Christ is. He does live within me. There's power within me to resist that, to have a wholesome view of a woman and not whatever it is they're trying to convey. I wasn't planning to share that, especially the Vanessa part. <clears throat> it's my birthday. It's, it's my birthday. Right? Say, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Say, it's Paul's uh, birthday, Vanessa. <laughs> Thank you. You can talk to her after at the altar. Galatians 3. For in Christ Jesus you are all what? Sons and daughters of God through faith. Not just through really, really believing hard. Through faith means through the new creation experience. That's who you are. It talks about your nature. Let me give you a couple of scriptures about our position. John 14. In that day, Jesus said this, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Isn't that radical? When the Holy Spirit comes, and he comes to live with you, when he comes to fill you, you will know without a shadow of a doubt that God lives in you. That's why we believe it's so important to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Lord never intended, I encourage your friends, if you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit, just begin to seek the Lord. The, the gift is for you. Why? Because the Lord does not want our walk with him, our faith, to be based just on something mentally, intellectually, that we understand. You see, I know I'm married because I have a contract. I have a marriage contract. But that's not really how I know I'm married. I know, how, I know I'm married because of the love relationship, the intimate relationship I have with my spouse. And there's an intimate relationship that God wants you to have with him so that you're not trying to convince yourself you're a child of God. You're not trying to live for God, but actually you have been baptized with the love of God. And you know who you are. And no one can take that away. You're intimate with the Father through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. He wants you to know that a shadow of a doubt that he is in you and that you are in him. It's about position. Uh, Ephesians 2. And God raised us up with Christ and gave us a seat with him, where? In the heavens. And that's not just when you go to heaven. We have that position today. We are with the Lord in the heavens in our position with him and all that involves. Galatians 2. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. I have the opportunity, the privilege every single day to let Christ live through me. Galatians 2. Oh, sorry, uh, Mark chapter 16. There's many more we could do, but just quickly. Jesus said, these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. We do that. We see that happen. In my name, they will speak in new tongues. We see that happen. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. We see that happen. You see, knowing our identity in Jesus is so important because our identity determines what we believe about ourselves. 
Do you hear me this morning? It determines how you think about yourself. And what we believe about ourselves will determine what will be our most consistent thoughts and our most consistent behaviors. What we believe about ourselves. So it's important we believe the right thing. That's why it's important that we monitor our thoughts to ensure that we don't believe anything. That we don't allow anything to get in our mind that is not true of how God sees us so that it doesn't cause us to live beneath who God says we are. We know Proverbs very well as a man thinks in his heart. What? So he is. Isn't that true? Whatever thoughts you allow to captivate yourself, whatever description or identity you embrace, it will determine who you are. And of course, Proverbs 4 4 says the same thing. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life, the direction you go into. It's been probably two and a half, almost three years now. Many of you may remember Olympic gold medalist Bruce Jenner announced his transition from being a man to being a woman. Bruce took on the name Caitlin, and the media, of course, followed suit and always refers to him with the feminine pronoun. Now, before that transition took place, if anyone was to ask you to identify Bruce's gender, you would have said what? He's a man. In fact, you'd say he's a man's man. Because on the outside, that's exactly what he is. But on the inside, Bruce identified himself as a woman. And then he went, underwent a number of hormone treatments and plastic surgeries so that what he sees in the mirror lines up with what he sees on the inside or how he sees himself on the inside, which is what you see in the July 2015 cover of Vanity Fair. Bruce Jenner's change into Caitlyn Jenner is a testimony to just how powerful our thoughts can be. Just how powerful our beliefs can be. And I'm not saying any of this to demean Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, a human being. I'm not, I'm not saying it for that purpose, but just for that point. But hear me, friends. Whatever you may feel about yourself, whatever you believe about yourself, it does not mean it's true. It doesn't mean it's true. People will argue today, and most of the argument, if not all of it, it's on an emotional level. And people will argue on an emotional level that Caitlin is a normal human being with just, just now a woman because she looks like a woman and she feels like a woman. And I can say, even apart from the authority of God's word, I can say with scientific knowledge the fact that if every chromosome in your body, with the exception of your reproductive system, if every chromosome in your body is a Y chromosome, then despite how you may look or how you may feel, you are a man. That's who you are. It doesn't matter how you choose to look on the outside. You can call yourself a woman. You can have uh, certain body parts enhanced. You can have body parts removed. But if your genome, if your DNA, if your, if your chromosomes say that you're a man, you know what? That's what you are. That's not being unkind. That's just logic. That's just simple science. That's who you are. That is your identity. Friends, we need to get back to understanding who we are. What it really means for Christ to live in me. What it really means that through salvation and through the cross and the power of the resurrection, that the old me is dead. He doesn't exist anymore. 
That old part of me with its sinful desires, that old part of me that believed the lies of my world, of my culture, that was based upon feelings, that took its lessons from my culture that says, this is what's right, that's what's right, and that's what I followed. The old me that always lived on the emotional level according to my feelings and my emotions, that man is dead. There's a new me. There's a new Paul Patterson. There's a new son of God who's not ruled by those things anymore because my DNA has been changed. Now, this morning, we're just laying a foundation for this subject of identity. We're just kind of stirring the pot a little bit because I want to bring to the surface some long-held, commonly-held views about ourselves that really do cause us to live so far beneath who God says that we are. Is anyone tracking with me this morning? Is any of this making sense? Yeah, I know, it's my birthday. But remember this, remember this, if I can determine the person with whom I share the same nature, then I have found the source of my identity. I say this in all kindness because we can all wrestle with this, but one of the reasons why there's so much confusion in the body of Christ one of the reasons why there's so much up and down, one of the reasons why there's so much dysfunction and so many issues that parallel those who don't know Christ in the world today, in the body of Christ, in Christian homes, you know why it is? Because generally we don't know Jesus. No, we really don't know Jesus. We, we know a system. We believe certain things. Now, I'm not saying none of us do. Of course we do. What I'm saying is that there's a knowing that comes out of an intimate relationship with Jesus. In fact, what you'll discover is that you will never know your identity apart from being in the Word of God. You can't. It will not happen. You'll glean some things Sunday after Sunday, some Christian song, some speaker on YouTube or whatever you listen to. That's, but no, you need to have the Word of God open to you and allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to you who you are as His daughter or His son. You need to have that personal, intimate relationship with Him just to know who you are. So if I can determine the person with whom I share the same nature, then I will know who I am. I have answered the questions, who am I? And who am I like? Because you see, that's why in the very practical of the everydays, when you're walking through the mall and you see something, you can say, no, this is who I'm like. That's why I don't do that. Well, that's why I resist that. That's why I say no to that. That's why I, I treat people in a different way. That's why I relate to my spouse in a different way because I understand who I am. Second Peter 1. He says, Jesus' divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, relationship, who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises so that through them you may become what? partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Let me be very clear this morning. This does not mean that you are God. It does not mean that God is you, but it does mean this, and this is amazing. It means that God is in you, and you are in God. You are in Him. You are hidden with Christ in God. And that is amazing. You know, I was thinking this morning, I don't know if I should admit this, but, but it was my birthday supper last night, so I don't get anything today. But um, <clears throat> So it was my birthday supper last night, so we had the kids over, and uh, we decided to go see Thor. If anybody's a Marvel fan, anybody seen Thor yet? Yeah, some of you probably seen it. Yeah, yeah, Amanda, we saw Amanda last, she probably saw it twice, didn't she? 
But, uh, oh, it was great. Funny, great. But, you know, I couldn't help but think, as much as I enjoyed it, good, nice, good, clean film, uh, as much as I enjoyed it, I couldn't help but think that this, this explosion of superhero movies, this past decade, friends, I really believe with all my heart, and I could be wrong, but I really believe with all my heart the reason why they are making billions of dollars every single movie is because it's speaking to something in the human heart. It's speaking to a sense of identity, a sense of longing to break out of the humdrum, the routine of all the things that we accept. Well, this is just life. This is just the way it is because we know, as Scripture says, God has placed eternity in our hearts that we might long for Him, to know Him, to reach out to Him because we know we're made for so much more. And we understand truly who we are and don't buy into the lie. Well, someday when we get to heaven, yes, there's going to be a fulfillment beyond our imagination when we get to heaven. But friends, if you're walking with Jesus today and you understand who you are in Christ, you understand your nature, you understand your position, you understand the power that has been given to you. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me and now I give it to you. Go in my name. If we understand that, you won't have to wait to get to heaven before you blow your socks off. You'll be amazed by who God is and who He is in you and what He can do through you and the things that He can change around you when we begin to live as sons and daughters of God. Being a partaker in God's divine nature is another way to describe what it means to be a new creation. And we share in God's nature. Why? So that we can fulfill what He's created us to be, not just in heaven but here and now. Amen? Again, when you were made a new creation, you are not the old fixed up you. You are a brand new you made from the very first time and in whom there is no old brokenness, old damage. It doesn't exist. Now, I know what you're thinking because you're cynical like me. You're thinking, but Paul, if that is true, why do I still struggle with some of my past things? Was anybody thinking that? Yeah. If that's what really has happened to me, why do I struggle? We're going to get more into it in the weeks, weeks ahead. But essentially, I believe the reason is this. Because we are allowing what we think and feel and believe about ourselves to define us. Rather than allowing what God has done and what God declares to redefine us. You see, it's about perspective. As long as my perspective is always down here. Oh, I'm just a wretched sinner. I'm a worm. I'm no good. Oh, God, forgive me. I'm always messing up. Lord, I can't wait till one day I get to heaven and all that kind of stuff. If I'm sitting from here, then I'm always striving to become something. But if I understand who I am in Christ, the incredible miracle of salvation, the incredible transformation that has taken place in me, and as you get into the Word of God, the Lord will show you that rather than listen to the eyes of the enemy who always wants to drag you down there. If I truly understand that in Christ I am seated with Him in the heavens, and if I understand who I am, not in a cocky sense, but in a reverent sense of God, I'm amazed by the work of salvation, the totality of what salvation truly is. And I live from this perspective, then the same things that confront me, I look at them in a different way. And it doesn't mean I don't struggle. It doesn't mean I don't have difficulties. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that I begin to fight from the position of who I am in Jesus. 
I recognize there's a genome at work in me, and every chromosome in my spiritual man, in every situation, is crying out and saying, Paul, whatever you're facing, you now have divine options. You are a daughter of God. You are a son of God. You are dead to sin and alive to Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You can list it on and on and on. That doesn't mean there's no struggle. That doesn't mean there's no temptation. But you know what? When you read the word of God, go through 1 John chapter 3, chapter 5. If you know Christ, you don't sin. Explain that to me. Oh, we all sin. Yeah, we do. And if we sin, we confess our sin. But you know what? We don't have to sin. That's the difference. We don't have to sin. We have choices. If you submit your, to God and then resist the devil, he will flee from you. But you've got to resist. You've got to submit to the Lord first. You see, your opinion of yourself defines the experiences that you have in this life and how you handle them. That's why knowing your identity in Jesus is so vital to knowing the fullness of life that Jesus promised you could have in John 10. When we know who we are, we can stop striving to become and simply be. That's something we've been talking about in our small group, having a blast. It's still blowing our minds. But it's so neat when you're sitting down with people and they're blowing their minds at the same time. You're just kind of all going around the room each night. But it's been wonderful. 1 John 4, my dear children, say it with me. You have already won. Why? Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Colossians 3, set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We're just stirring the pot this morning, just trying to get us to think a little bit about who God says we are and who our spirit longs to be, the superhero that we long to be. In our own mind, we think of identity in terms of the roles that we play, don't we? Well, you know, I'm a pastor. That's my identity. That's not my identity. Uh, my, my identity doesn't rise and fall on whether or not I'm a pastor in a church. I, mean, I love doing it, but that's not the end of my life if I stop doing it. That's not my identity. Whatever your job or career may, may be, that's just your role. It's not who you are. And the call to follow Jesus Christ essentially is a call to let go of those roles. As far as our identity being in them, it's a call to surrender to who you think you are that you might actually be who you truly are. I began the message mentioned a number of scenarios that probably most of us can relate to in one way or another. Most of them are situations that, unfortunately, for some of us, have just become everyday things, and we even just so used to them, we just justify them. But friends, I believe God wants us to understand that our behavior flows from our identity. It flows from understanding who we truly are. And that's why, you see, we can't use an excuse and say, well, I'm only human doesn't work because you see the first human was perfect until he sinned but the second Adam what did he do he slayed the old man made me a brand new creation in Christ so that I'm not a slave to sin anymore so what I can say is you know what I live right because I am human who's been redeemed in Christ the image of Christ now in me the old man gone and again, it doesn't mean there's no struggle. It just simply means this. I don't have to lose every struggle. In fact, I don't have to lose the majority of them because as we understand, temptation's not sin, is it? That's not it. Temptation is just the opportunity for you to step into who you are and to overcome it. 
because Jesus lives within me. When I was about five years of age, and I'm going to ask the worship team to join me, I don't know why I remember this, but it came to my mind when I was studying last night. I was in the backyard. We had a nice-sized backyard, and, and the neighborhood kids were there. Oftentimes, we'd use our yard to play football and stuff, so, so the kids started to gather, and of course, as kids gather, it's getting noisy, it's getting loud, and more kids gather, and kids you don't know, you know, it's kind of like a party when your parents are gone. Don't do that. I never did that. It was just a backyard. But you know what I'm saying? Just draws, you know, the crowd draws the crowd. And we were probably there for a half hour, an hour, and, and things went from being kind of civil. Like, again, I'm five years old, so probably, you know, the oldest kid was eight or ten or twelve or whatever. We just had a bunch of kids in the backyard, and it was just getting crazy. I mean, the volume and boisterousness and probably some of the things that were being said and just foolish. And I'll never forget, at some point, my father stepped out on the back step, and he said, Paul, come here, come here wasn't trying to embarrass me, wasn't angry at me, just said, come here. Because he'd been in the kitchen window kind of seeing what was going on, hearing some of the things that were being said. Now, this is going to sound crazy for maybe young people today. Some of you who are older will understand this. But he called me over and he said, he said, what's your name? I said, Paul. Now, what's your name? Paul Patterson? He said, that's right. Your name is Paul Patterson. Be who you are. And I understood at the age of five exactly what he meant. Your name is my name. My blood flows in your veins. My DNA is in your body. You're part of this family. He wasn't being angry. He wasn't being judgmental. But at that young age, I can remember going back into that crowd and just kind of restoring that civility and getting things back to where they should be. Because my father reminded me who I am. Friends, I believe with all my heart, that's what God wants us to understand this morning. You go through these doors, you go into a world where there's chaos. You go into a world where things are done the way they've done because they've always been done that way and they just bring increasing darkness. And sometimes we can get caught up in that. And if we don't get caught up in that, we can be tainted by it or we can just feel like, well, this is just the way things are. And the Lord wants to call us aside and say, come here, come here. He's not angry, but he would just say, who are you? Tell me, who are you? Well, I'm this, I'm this. No, no, no. No, that's your role. Who are you? Oh, I'm a son of God. That's right. I'm a daughter of God. That's right. Jesus lives in me. That's right. I'm seated in heavenly places with him. That's right. Greater is he that is in me than he comes against me. That's right. You see, that's who you are. That's who you are. Now go on back out and be who you are. That's your identity. Who you are and who you are like. Friends, whatever you face this week, I want to encourage you with this. In fact, I got a little challenge for you this week. We're going to put up there. This is our challenge this week. Will you read the scripture with me? See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And that is what we are. I want to give you this challenge. Number one, I want to challenge you to memorize the scripture this week. Whatever version you like, it's just a short verse. Memorize the scripture and meditate on it through the week. Don't wait till Friday. Memorize it this afternoon. Memorize it tomorrow. Meditate on it through the week. And number two, I want you to ask yourself this question. Am I living as one who is striving to become or am I learning to simply be 
who Jesus says I already am? How will my life change this week if I'll just be who I already am in Christ? He says, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you need will be done. Just know who you are. Will you stand with me? I'm going to ask the ministry team to come as we conclude our service. Again, if you're visiting, we're so happy to have you with us. We trust the Lord has brought you this morning to minister this word to you and to minister to you in the worship service. But ministry team, would you come? And as they just span through the, over the front of the aisle here or altar here, can the rest of us just bow our heads for a moment and close our eyes? I'm not going to prolong the service. But if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, then you know you don't know him. But anything we've said this morning, you'd say, man, I just want to know him. I just, what you've been saying about identity, like I just, I don't really know what life's about, but I know he's here this morning. Maybe we all know the Lord, but if you don't know Jesus this morning and you want that new life that we're talking about, not religion, but a brand new you being created, God living in you, giving you a power to live everything he's planned for you. If that's your heart's desire, would you just catch my eye here this morning? Maybe just raise your hand or wave at me and say, Pastor, that's me. Before I leave this morning, I want to know Jesus. Yes, bless you. Anybody else? I want to know Jesus. I don't want religion. But, Pastor, if what you say is true, I want to be a new person. I want God to live in me. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be who he's made me to be. Is there anyone else this morning before we leave? The Lord bless you. As the worship team sings this song, we always make the altar available for anyone who just is here and just says, Pastor, I'd like someone to pray with me. Maybe there's a pain in your body or, or a situation in your heart. We want to pray with you. But also, if you raised your hand this morning, would you come and would you allow these folks just to pray with you and just to see a break from the past and the brand new creation, creation, creation that God has made you to be. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ the power of God unto salvation. We thank you for the glorious message. And I pray, Lord, that today and even through this week and these weeks to come, Lord, let it just percolate. Let it be something, Lord, that begins to change the very fiber of our being, what it really means to be a son and daughter of God. We look forward to that. Let your word remain with us. Let it be in us. Meditate upon it. And, oh, God, I pray, help us to live from that place of who we are in you right now. In Jesus' name, amen.